Um, but, in, you know, in, in all seriousness, you know, thank you, Pastor, for giving me this opportunity, and thank you all for putting up with me. I realize that, I know that it's a great honor and a great privilege to be able to talk about God's Word, to be able to preach God's Word, and to stand behind this pulpit of all places, it's, it's an honor and a privilege. And not only is it an honor and a privilege, it's a responsibility. And it's not only a responsibility for me, it's a responsibility for Pastor Schott, too, because I believe that he's going to someday have to answer for the things that other people say behind this pulpit. And so I'm going to try not to put any black marks on him. And April's got to sound so she could shut me down anytime. And, uh, and where would we be without our sound people, right? Like Amen. churches, I know that's a struggle. And you know what, Jaden, hearing that testimony about him helping that church this weekend is such an encouragement to me. You know, the young people are so important. The next generation of Christianity is so, so important. And always, we have those Saturday men's prayers, and it was always so encouraging to me when I saw, like, Daniel Neal there. You know, it means so much to have young people that are faithful. I'm looking at Alicia right now, and I know she's right at the top of that list, too. But um, I just want to say, you know, thank you. Thank you for that, Jaden, and thank you for all the young people. And so today, the message that I want, the thing I want to talk about is life. Like your life, my, my life, our lives. So when I ask the question, like, what is life? And so I have three points. Life is short. Life is dedicated to God, if you're a Christian. And life is eternal. So um, let us go to the Lord in prayer. Uh, Lord God, Heavenly Father, I thank you for this opportunity this privilege, this honor, this responsibility, Lord. I just, Lord, I'm a knucklehead. And I know that, and you know that, and most of these people know that. I just pray that you would push me aside, and that you would fill me with the Holy Spirit, allow, allow the Holy Spirit of God to come in and speak, speak through me, through your word, Lord. Not me, not my will, your will. Not my words, your will, your words. Lord, not Tim Butler, the Holy Spirit of God. I thank you for it. I thank you for Pastor Shot, his love. I thank you for his faithfulness. Lord, I thank you for every, every good thing that I have, every good thing that I've ever done, every good thought that I've ever thought came from you, Lord. And I thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen. So... You know, Pastor jokingly said about the love offering, but, you know, I'll tell you, I, the love that I get from Pastor Shaw, I wouldn't trade that for any amount of money. And I just want you all to know that I feel that from everybody here when I come here. And I always, Pastor's always made me welcome, and perfect example, he didn't even know I was going to be here. I just kind of moved right in. He came, I was here Monday night, I took a shower in his office. I set up camp in the kitchen downstairs and he didn't even know I was going to be here. So, but I knew that he would welcome me because of who he is. And so I just want to thank him for that too. Okay, so life is short. So the first, now this is a you know a topical message. So 
I'm going to jump around a little, and you don't have to follow, follow but um, if you want to, you can. I'm going to, you know, life is a flash in the pan, a flash in eternity's pan, right? It's short. So I want to read first James 4, 14. Whereas ye know not what shall be on the morrow, for what is your life? It's even a vapor that appeareth for a little time and then vanish away. So life is a vapor, right? So we're in eternity. We try to, I try to wrap my mind around the realm of eternity. Eternity is this span of time that has no beginning and it has no end. And so can, can we even really like fathom that? But our life in that realm of time is, it's a vapor. It's just a short flash in eternity's pan. And, and if we live to be 100 years old, that's a long life. But what is that in eternity's time, right? And so that's, you know, that's in, in and of itself, that's pretty important. So there's a couple other verses I want to read here. I'm going to try to follow my notes without fumbling through here. But again, you'll have to bear with me. So the, um, yeah. So, okay, so the next scripture is Second Peter 3, 8. But beloved, be not, be not ignorant of this one thing, that one day is with the Lord as a thousand years and a thousand years as one day. And Psalm 90, verse 4. For a thousand years in thy sight are but as yesterday when it is past, and as a watch in the night. So there's this concept, there's this idea that with the Lord, a thousand years is one day. And think about that in eternity's realm. You know, when I was early on in, in my, when I, right after I got saved, I sat right there in the third row one day and I sat in on a sermon by Pastor Bennett, Pastor Schatz, pastor. And, you know, forgive me, but, forgive me God, but I thought to myself when I left, that's the most boring thing I ever heard in my life. He talked about dispensations, the dispensations, which are the time periods, biblical time periods that mankind was allowed to be saved. And so the first one, and I didn't have time to study it all out, and it's not really part of the sermon. I just want to touch on it briefly, but so I won't have them all like in order. But the first one was like the age of innocence. It was in the Garden of Eden, right? So Adam blew that one. And then, you know, then there was the law and there was progressed up to where I believe now in the sixth one, which is the age of grace, the church age. We're saved by grace, you know, by faith through grace. And so the reason that was boring to me was because I was sitting there as a new Christian desiring milk and he was dishing out steak. And years later, I was working nights, and I used to listen to sermons from 
a lot of different Baptist preachers, some well-known ones, and one of them was talking about that dispensational, that, you know, the di different dispensations and going through them in depth, and it was like three-hour series. It was three one-hour sermons. And I remember thinking, it brought me back to when I watched Pastor Bennett, and I said to myself, man, I wish I had that chart in front of me. Because when he preached that, he had a big chart that he brought out. And so as a new Christian, you know, I'm sitting there yawning like this is, but, but really, see, God's word is, doesn't come back void because years later it hit me and it triggered some of those things he was saying and it tied into what I was listening to at the time. And, and I was a little more, I won't say I was mature, but I was a little more able to process that whole concept. And I studied it out a little bit and a lot of the details I don't remember, but that's an awesome independent study in itself. And so when we think of a thousand years as a day with the Lord, well, the earth is 6,000 years old, roughly, right? So the seven's the number of completion. And the earth was created in seven days. Now, no man will know the day or time, right? But the next thing on the prophetic calendar is the rapture of the church. Now, the millennial reign is going to be a thousand-year period. If we're already 6,000 years into it, we're in the sixth dispensation, we know that seven is the number of completion. What's, is that leading me in the direction to believe we're going to, toward the end times? And, and again, I'm not a prophet. I'm not going to say I know when the end of the world's coming, but these things line up and you can't deny them and you look at them. And so I think that that bears looking at, right? But when we look at our lives, if let's just say, because again, I barely graduated high school, so I'm gonna make the math real easy. Let's just say human life is 100 years. If a 1,000 years is a day, a day is 24 hours, what's 100 years? It's 2.4 hours. Right? It's a tenth of a thousand years. A hundred years is a tenth of a thousand years. So if a thousand years is a day with the Lord, 24 hours with the Lord is, you know, that's 2.4 hours. In a, in a hundred year lifespan, it's 2.4 hours. So in God's timetable, in the you know, realm of eternity, our lives, each one of our lives is 2.4 hours. If we live to be a hundred years old, which many of us do not. So it's somewhere south of it's somewhere south of two point four hours. Now, in the Old Testament, in the in, in biblical times, they talk about this process of winnowing, and winnowing was separating the wheat, the chaff from the wheat. And so, when the when they harvested the wheat, it was either the grain that was useful or the chaff that they dried up and they burned. And the process of winnowing was separating those. That's what our life is. It's winnowing. It's God, this is God's winnowing time for humans, your life. Because when we're born, we're all on our way to hell. And we don't, at the end of our lives, there's two possibilities. You're either saved or you're not saved. And so with the winnowing, you're either the wheat or the chaff. So there's a parallel there. So this 2.4 hours from God that we live is just a time 
for us to either realize that we're going to be the wheat or we're going to be the chaff. So the life, our lives have significance because salvation is a gift, but we all have the choice to accept it or to not accept it. So we're going to spend eternity somewhere, right? That's the next point. So um, our life is dedicated to God. So if we're Christians, if we are saved, born-again believers, then our life is not our own. It's, it belongs to Christ. And bear with me for one second. Why? I got so many notes here, I got to try to, because organization was never really one of my skills. But it says here in Colossians 3, I'm going to start right at the beginning. If ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Set your affections on the thing, things of above, not on the things of this earth. Oh, how am I doing now? <laughs> Set your affections on the things above, not on the things of this earth. For ye are dead and your life is hid within Christ. So our lives are, you know, when we make that decision to accept Christ, we dedicate our lives to him. We're hid with Christ. The Bible says we're, we're children of God at that point. And, and from that point forward, we enter into our eternity. Eternity doesn't start when we, when we die. This is part of eternity. So you make that decision today, you're living your eternity. And if, if you choose not to make that decision, you're still living it. But there's always time until we die to make that decision. Now, as a child of God, as a born-again believer, we are, we, our lives do belong to Christ. They are not our own. And as such, I apologize for that. If I was on the ball, I would have shut my phone off. But um, our lives should reflect Christ. They should reflect who Christ is to everyone around us, to the world around us. We should, be, we should be Christ-like in the things we do, the things we say, the things we listen to, the things we watch, the way we live, right? If, you know, the Bible talks about our conversation. When they're talking about, when the Bible says your conversation, you know, let your conversation be known to men, that's not your speech, although that's part of it. It's your life, your life. it's the manner of how you live your life. It's who you are and what others see. Because to the lost person, the way you conduct yourself, the way I conduct myself, might be the only glimpse of Christ they ever see. If we're at work, if we're in the store, if we're in the community, wherever we go, we need to reflect who Christ is to us. He's our Savior. We need to let people see that because they may not get together with other believers. They may not read a Bible. They may not have any interest in it. But if they see that enough, they're going to get that picture and eventually, hopefully, they're going to say, hey, there's something different about that person. I want that. I want to have what they have. 
How do I get it? Oh, I'm glad you asked me, because then that opens a dialogue. That's an organic way to witness to people. And that begins with how we live our lives, how we act and how we present ourselves to the world. So let's not let God down. Let's not let Christ down in that. And so the third point is our life is eternal. And for the Christian, for the saved person, that's great news. For the lost person, that's not great news. But when we die, when that 2.4 hours is up and we die, we're going somewhere for eternity. We're going to one of two eternal places. And so as a saved Christian, we know where that is. And we embrace that. But that eternity is for everybody. It's for the unsaved too. It's just a different eternity. And so I want to read, I want to read this. This is from Philippians. No, I'm sorry. John 10, 27. My note's in the wrong place. Thank you for your patience. <laughs> well, thank you, sir. Um, I, you know, I went through this three times, too. I had it all set. I'm in first John here. All right. All right. I am going to... I'm going to do this, even if I have to pause awkwardly for several seconds, because it's important. John, it's John 10, and I'm going to start in verse 27. Now this is, if you have a red letter Bible, this is Jesus talking. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. And I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish. Neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. My Father which gave them me is greater than all. And no man is able to pluck them out of my Father's hand. I am, and my Father am one. So there's that. God's word is always true. There's that proof that, of that eternal life. And that's for the Christian. Is that eternal life is spent with Christ and with God. And then this, if we go to Philippians 4... Philippians 4, and I'm going to start in verse 10. But I rejoice in the Lord greatly that now at the last your care of me hath flourished again, wherein ye were also careful, but ye lacked opportunity. Not that I speak in respect of want, for I have learned in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content. I know both how to be abased and I know how to abound. Everywhere and in all things, I am instructed both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. So this, this verse really stuck with me because, okay, this is the Apostle Paul. And he's in a Roman prison. 
She was on his way to the church at Philippi. Now, the, the church at Philippi supported Paul in his missionary journeys, in his missionary life. And so he's on his way there to visit them and to encourage them and to thank them for their support, I'm sure. He gets caught and thrown in a Roman prison. He's in this Roman dungeon, right? This isn't club fed. Like he, there's no putting green on the roof. There's no cable TV. There's no air conditioning. You know, I wonder if there's even a place for him to go to the bathroom, right? Like he's in this dank dungeon. And when we think of dungeons, I remember years ago, I read the book, The Count of Monte Cristo. It came out in like the 30s. And it described a dungeon. And it was vivid. And I remember thinking like, man, that's a nasty place. But really, I wonder if even that describes what Paul, the conditions Paul was in, in a Roman dungeon, a Roman prison, dark, damp, dingy. Just imagine the conditions. But what does he do? He's, he's a child of God. He knows that he is living his eternity. And he knows where he's going when he dies, and death doesn't necessarily scare him. He says, I know in all things to be content, whatever state I'm in to be content. He writes this letter to the Philippian church, and what does he say to them? Help? Get me out? Send the Marines? No. He says, hey, you guys are doing an awesome job. Thank you so much for your support. Thank you so much for what you've done for me in my missionary journey. He's more or less lifting them up because it's not only thank you for what you did for me personally, it's thanking, thank you for being the model of what a church should be that supports missions, right? And this is in a time when he's in this Roman jail. I'm thinking like, man, I wonder if I was there, if I would have the strength to have that attitude. I'd be looking for somebody to help me get out, probably. But he, he doesn't concern himself with that. He, he, he doesn't even care about that. He really knows or has reason to believe that this is it for him. That his life is going to end in this prison cell. And still, his main focus is to write this letter to the Church of Philippi and tell him, Great job, you're doing good, to encourage them. And it, it's that, like he says, I've learned in all things, in all situations, be thankful and be content. And so, and that's because life is eternal. And Paul gets that. He, I believe in, in that scripture, he gets that. So I want to tell a quick story, and I'll, I'll close with that. But... um. <clears throat> In Virginia, I do a, I help this Christian band do their sound, run the soundboard. And I met them at like a bluegrass festival through a guy at our church. And I helped this gentleman start a YouTube channel. And he just said to me, you know, I've been praying for somebody to help me with this stuff. Because I, I have no conception of it. And I want to, you know, get it out there. And so I've been working with him and I've been helping him. And he invited me to this festival, and it was to work. And there was this band from a nearby town, Galax. They were a praise worship band. It was bluegrass, gospel, 
And they took the stage. There was a gentleman with them that was in a wheelchair. And they wheeled him out in front of the stage and they gave him a mic. And, and as I watched them play and sing, I could not take my eyes off of that, that gentleman because he had such a contentment. And I thought of this in all, whichever state I find myself to be content, right? They're singing, I don't remember the name of the song. I don't think I ever knew the same name of the song. It's not music that we generally listen to and I wasn't familiar with it. But the lyrics, and I'm, I'm paraphrasing, but I am free to live. I am free to dance. I am free to run. And that was the chorus. So after every verse, they sang that over and over again. And at first I'm thinking, hmm, that's ironic. Here's this guy in a wheelchair. I'm free to dance. I'm free to run. Dude, you're in a wheelchair. But as I watched him and I couldn't take my eyes off him, I could see on his face, you could see his heart on his face. He was glowing. He wasn't just singing the words. That sentiment was coming up from his heart. He was free. He was free to do those things. And he knew that someday when he, his 2.4 hours is up, he's going to see the Lord and get a new body and he will physically be dancing and he will physically be running and he will be living and he's living today because the fact that he's in a wheelchair didn't prevent, didn't prevent him from rejoicing to God. It didn't prevent him from showing people the Holy Spirit. And it was clear by watching him. And again, I, I couldn't take my eyes off him. The Holy Spirit was just spilling out of this guy. And he realized that eternity. He knew that he was in that eternity. He knew that he was free. And every single one of us can know that too. And so I, I thank God for that. And uh, that's, that's all I have. I thank you all for being patient. And thank you, Pastor Shaw.